The reason the church of Christ rejoices is because of the gospel that you have just heard sung powerfully and clearly. And the gospel shows us the beauty of the manger. And the gospel shows us the beauty of the cross. And the gospel calls us to come to the table. And the gospel calls us to behold the Lamb. The gospel calls us to look at the cross and see that it is wonderful and wondrous. And the gospel calls us to Jesus. Between the manger and between the cross, we have the words of Jesus. We have been looking at those words that he spoke in Luke chapter 11. Looking at what he speaks even to us today. Have you ever heard the following song? And yes, I'm about to give this a little bit of Sinatra. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires Will totally not come to you I mean, I think we know that, right? I mean, it's a great song It's a, it's a wonderful song It's really encouraging but you know, it's, it's, it's not true. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the old rhyme. Starlight, star bright. First star I see tonight. Oh, I wish I may. I wish I might. Get this wish that I am giving tonight. But what happens if the first star you see is the most irresponsible star in the galaxy? What if the first star you see is like that guy that used to sit on the back row in science class at school? You know, he was nice enough, and you know, he said something funny every now and then, but, but he was always the last person in the class. He was always out in the hall cutting up or, or causing problems, and he would always wander in late. You'd never want to get his notes from class because he, he didn't take any. And you'd never copy off of his page. You'd, you'd never try to copy his test. So you have this real serious wish and you're going to take that wish and, and possibly try to give it to a star that, that flunked out of celestial elementary school. That didn't sound like a good plan. Or maybe it's not a less than zero star. Maybe it is a star that truly is just stellar. I mean, it's top notch. It's a, it's a giant star. It's a super giant star. It's a hyper giant star. Or maybe, as the Hubble telescope found this week, it's a monster giant star. They found a star this week that they say is like a, a hundred times the mass of the sun. So let's say that's the star that you're going to throw your wish at. I don't know what calculators they use, but scientists say that a star lasts about 10 billion years. So you find a monster star and boy, you gussy yourself up and you throw up that wish to that monster star, but you just happen to throw your wish at that star on his 10 billionth birthday. And he checks out right before he has time to give you your wish. So is there another way? Maybe, maybe another option? Well, maybe you can catch a falling star and stick it in your pocket. Save it for a rainy day. Maybe it'll be there for you. The only problem with that is 
You got something from space in your pocket. You never know when somebody from the X-Files is going to come and, and raid your pocket. You don't know. So the real question is this. Why do you want to wish for something? Why do you want to wish for something? Why would any of us wish for something? Well, the reason why is because we desire something. There's something we want. Look, we all want to make more money. We all want to lose a, a little more weight in life. We, we all want more sleep, right? We want less stress. We want less car problems. We, we want less health issues. We want a, a nicer boss. And we want a kinder teacher. And we want our kids to do better. And we want our spouse to try harder. There's things that we want. And they're not bad things. They're not evil things. They're, they're good things. But are we really going to take our good things and we're going to use a ball of plasma from space as our hope to have our desires met? Or are we going to use a, a, a hard metallic bit of trash that fell out of space for our hope, for our desire? It seems like a, like a bad plan. And what about this? What about the fact that what you want and what you desire might not be what your soul desires the most? What if it, that your soul was created for something more than what you want and what you desire? Something deeper, something richer, something more satisfying. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verse 9. This is what Jesus says. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Jesus is teaching his closest friends. He's talking to them about prayer. He's giving them a, a guide, a pattern. He's giving them a model prayer. It's the same model that we would use today for our prayer life. And at this point in the teaching, he turns and he says, So I say to you, in other words, guys, listen to this. Perk your ears up. You need to pay attention to this. Take me up on this. Do this. Really, 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 every day do this. And what does he tell us to do? He says, ask God for what you want and it will be given to you. Rock on. This is good news, right? <laughs> hey, new car, just ask. New house, just ask. 100 on that quiz, just ask. All you got to do is ask. And just, and just believe in faith and you're going to get that new car. By the way, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus has been teaching on prayer in this whole section. And one of the most important things he said about prayer was just a, a few sentences back. In verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, your kingdom come. In other words, when we pray, we begin with an attitude that goes like this. God, I'm not here to get my way. Because my way, God, might make a mess of things. But God, I am here to ask for something. And I'm asking you because you are holy and hallowed and other. And I'm asking you because you are love. You don't just give love. You don't just define love. You are the existence, the ultimate existence of love. It is your character. It is who you are. And God, I'm asking you because you are perfect. 
My spouse is not perfect. My parents are not perfect. My kids are not perfect. My friends are not perfect. My pastor is not perfect. My favorite presidential candidate is not perfect. But God, you, you are perfect. You are perfect in wisdom. You are perfect in love. You are perfect in grace. You are perfect in grace and mercy and compassion and justice and judgment. You never get anything wrong, God. So I'm coming to you. And God, I'm coming to you because your kingdom is the kingdom. No city, no county, no state, no country, no nation can ever claim that. God, when it's all said and done, your kingdom will be the last one standing. Period. So God, that's why I'm coming to you. See, that attitude changes how you pray. You still pray about the house and you still pray about the car and you still pray about the test, but you don't pray about them as if they are the most important thing in the world. You don't pray about them like you're freaking out while you're praying about them. No, you pray about them as if you are talking to the most important one in the universe. One day Moses turned to the Hebrew people and this is what he said to them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, He is God and heaven above and on the earth below, there is no other. No one. No one like God in any shape or form. And so because of the nature of who God is, because He is holy and hallowed, because there is no other like Him, you cannot separate these two sentences. You cannot separate your kingdom come and ask and it will be given to you. They have to be together. Why? D. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way. The most fatal, the most deadly thing in the Christian life is to be content with passing desires. What is a passing desire? You might desire something sweet when you ride by the donut shop and the red light is on. Okay? But if you will just keep driving for about 75 more blocks, you'll probably be in the clear after that. And the desire will pass. You may have a desire for a new house and for a new car, for a new job. You may have a desire for a new hairdo. You know, but those things can pass, you know, because new cars come out and, and sometimes houses fall apart. And then at least for some of us, you know, we're, we're losing, you know, our hair. So eventually we won't have an option for a hairdo, you know. It'll just be whatever because there's nothing left. So some desires in life will just pass by. Some desires, though, in life we know are not that mild, are they? Some desires in life are kind of a bigger deal than a donut or a new hairdo. I was reading an article last September about a young man here in the Midlands who has struggled and is struggling with an attraction outside of the biblical confines of marriage between a man and a woman. And he has some very interesting things to say about his struggle, but, but one particular thing just really grabbed my attention. This is what he notes in the article. He was anonymously known as, as Tom. 
I've known people recently who were literally martyred for their faith in Jesus. People that were frozen to death because of their commitment to Christ. The article went on to say people who were actually eaten by rats. All why? Because of the reward set before them like those in Hebrews 11. Go read Hebrews 11 before you go to bed tonight. This great chapter in the Bible of these people who had some great things and some awful things happen to them. But the whole time, their salvation in God was their reward. It was what mattered the most. And then he said this. If those Christians can give their very lives for Christ, I think I can handle being single for a few more decades until I get to spend eternity with Christ. That is one of the most clear statements that we could ever see about what it means for a Christian to have a passing desire. We might put it this way. You take anything you desire in life and you compare it to Jesus and it is a passing desire. It will either pass away in this life or when you die, that desire will no longer exist. So everything compared to Jesus, every house, every car, every job, every hairdo, every Final Four tournament, every Easter dress, every attraction, all of them compared to Jesus, they become passing desires. Why? This is what the Bible says about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and Forever. No one else can make that claim and back it up. No one. Not your parents, not your grandparents, not your best friend, not your pastor, not your favorite athlete, not your favorite celebrity, not your favorite presidential candidate. No one can say that about themselves. No one but Jesus. And therefore, because only Jesus has that applied to him, he immediately becomes, by his nature, someone who is not a passing desire. You may reject Jesus. You may deny Jesus. You may say you want to have nothing to do with Jesus, but one day you will desire him. And on that day, it might be too late. But Jesus, by his nature, cannot be a passing desire. He is too great. He is too majestic. He is too wonderful. He is eternal. He is love. He is salvation. So this is what he says to his disciples about praying. Ask, and it will be given to you. So if I'm doing the math here, I'm realizing that the only non-passing desire in the universe is knowing Jesus Christ. So if the only non-passing desire in the universe is knowing Jesus Christ, I just found what I'm going to ask for the most. I'm going to say, God, please give me a deeper love for Jesus. Please give me a deeper desire for Jesus. And if Jesus is the only non-passing desire in the universe, then I just found out what I'm going to ask the most for my wife and the most for my kids and the most for my friends and the most for complete strangers. God, would you please give them a deep, deep love for Christ? 
we enter this holy week, this week where we remember the events of 2,000 years ago. And we remember today as we mark Palm Sunday, we've, we've heard the events sung of this week. And on this time, these were the events happening around Jesus, at least this one. John chapter 12. On the next day, the large crowd took the branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet him. And they began to shout. And what do they shout? Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. King. The king of the kingdom that never ends. The king of the kingdom that will never pass away. Behold the lamb. Behold the king. The king came on that day all those years ago. But friends, the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ is that the king is coming again. There is no king like this king. May God give us a deeper desire for King Jesus.